0: It was a difficult and violent weekend in much of Winnipeg and southern Manitoba, and the big event happened near Carmen and Cartier involving five suspicious deaths, three of whom are children. Also, over the weekend, of course, a lot to discuss from the world of sports because we had the Super Bowl and a Winnipeg born golfer doing some clutch stuff in Phoenix. And we are joined in studio by the winners of The Amazing Race Season 8, Catherine Reiford and Craig Ramsey. They are performing at the RWB Romeo and Juliet this week. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling. We are Mackling and McGarry, and this is the Monday, February 12th podcast for The Start. Mackling and McGarry, producer Jeff Forte, back in Master Control after Tyson sat in on Friday. And, of course, we have lots of good and exciting things to discuss this morning. It was a big weekend in sport, as you just heard in Sarah McCarthy's newscast. But it was also, Greg, um, a kind of a horrible weekend in southern Manitoba.
1: Myglobalnews.ca here are the three stories uh, headlines that are all uh, they are all attached to one another physically on uh, our webpage. Three children, two women found dead, Manitoba RCMP. Five taken to hospital after Winnipeg apartment fire. Two men in custody following armed barricaded incident incident in Winnipeg. Not in the headline, the fact that three WPS members were shot in that circumstance, in that event. And Winnipeg police investigating three separate stabbings. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, what's going on, man?
0: I don't know. I don't know. This, uh, you know, you gave me the heads up that the RCMP were holding a a news conference yesterday afternoon. Uh, The news conference was at four and you gave me about a, I guess I was an hour heads up on that. And I thought, well, this is awful. And we're going to be joined by Global's Clay Young at 7.35 to learn more on that. And we'll hear a bit more on that from Catherine Dornian coming up in our next segment. And uh, I was up with some friends yesterday afternoon and you sent me the text pointing to the advisory from the RCMP and then I just kind of leaned over my buddy was looking at He's like, what are you looking at? So I showed him and he says, good Lord. And then I told and then I mentioned, and did you hear about this? You know, the, as you pointed out, Greg, three officers, police officers are shot. And then I mentioned the stabbings and he kind of had the same reaction. Like what are like arms in the air? What is happening?
1: Yeah. You know, it's impossible not to have a visceral reaction to all these events individually, let alone you have a weekend when all these things have happened all in in a, in a matter of 72 hours here. And so when you look to what took place in, in, in South central Manitoba near Carmen and when the RCMP warned the public that some of the details that they are going to share about an incident are gruesome you know, it's horrific. And, um, that's exactly what we, that's exactly what we saw death of these three children. The, can we presume murder of these three children? These two women, my, my God, I, I, there are no words. And the, these are the circumstances and these are the situations, Brett, where unfortunately the, the, the news is sort of going to have to speak for itself because I'm at a loss for words to explain what we're we're seeing right now. It just it it makes no sense. It makes a lot of people uneasy and a couple of people just said like what in the fresh heck is going on in Manitoba.
0: So as Greg mentioned, you can read more on all of these stories at cjob.com. Quite a difficult weekend in southern Manitoba and we'll bring you further details through the morning on the start also, today, as mentioned, we also have some good things to discuss and some exciting things. 9.35, exciting enough, is the fact that the legend returns. Bob Irving is going to join us to talk sports, and it was quite the weekend in sports, Mr. Greg. I don't know where you want to start. The Jets, the the golf, or, of course, the football.
1: Yeah, well, Super Bowl. Um, I didn't find the very, the first half very exciting. I wasn't overwhelmed by the by the halftime show either. Maybe it was the state of melancholy I was in when I sat down to watch the game. Um, The Jets, Saturday night, that was a little bit more impressive. That was a game the Jets absolutely had to win Mm -hmm. on home ice in front of, uh, I think they were about 25 seats short of a sellout on Saturday night. But basically, an essential sellout for the Jets. And then um, Winnipeg-born golfer, Nick
0: Taylor, Did something special on Phoenix yesterday. That's right. And this is the moniker, and we've gone through this before when he won the Canadian Open last year. We leaned heavily into the fact that he's born in Winnipeg. They mentioned it again yesterday during the broadcast. They didn't say he's from Abbotsford. They said he was born in Winnipeg. But, yes, he grew up in Abbotsford, and now he lives in Scottsdale. He's lived in Scottsdale for 13 years. But Nick Taylor... Came from behind. He was two two shots back at least, or maybe three. I can't remember because I turned away and then I came back to it. And he forced this forced a playoff with Charlie Hoffman, and he ultimately won the playoff. And actually, like the playoff was at risk of having to be pushed into today. Darkness. Yeah, they said because they said we've got maybe time for one more hole here, and it was that's the hole that he ended up winning. But the play at the that tournament and then the ensuing playoff. Like, by the time it was finished, it was almost halftime in the Super Bowl. So I was watching the golf predominantly. I flipped to the Super Bowl, and, and you pointed to how it wasn't all that great. I'm like, yeah, this score is kind of bleh. So I'm glad I'm watching the golf. But I thought, well, I might as well watch the halftime show now. So... We've got more to discuss on that at 6.35. But our question of the day, by the way, Greg, as it pertains to the Jets, is brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. On Friday, the question we asked, Winnipeg Jets have lost five in a row. Are you pushing the panic button? This was a close race. We had 41% say yes, they're falling apart like last year. And uh, roughly 30% said, I'm a little worried. And roughly 30% said no. All teams hit rough patches. So we've, Temporarily modified the question of the day this morning, and maybe we'll just leave it at this, but we're asking you, the Winnipeg Jets snapped their five-game <laughs> losing streak on Saturday. Are you still pushing the panic button? <laughs> your options are yes, somewhat, not anymore, never was. Cast your vote at cgop.com. Were you panicking at all? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um,
1: especially when you realize that this organization is clearly under the impression that that they can compete for a Stanley Cup. They are not trading away a first-round draft choice for anyone, Mm -hmm. let alone a Sean Monaghan, if they don't think that they can take a run at this thing and if there's any sense that they're going down the same path as last year. What drastic action, I was asking the question, what drastic action are they prepared to take to ensure that what we saw last year doesn't happen again? I'm reserving what my suggestion would be <laughs> for, for, for fear of backlash uh, from, from listeners and fans, but uh, we'll just all keep it in my hip pocket. How's that?
0: Later on this morning, we'll be joined by Bob Irving to talk sports. And when it comes to sports, last night it was a game I vowed not to watch. Go to bed early, Brett. Mm -hmm. Still getting over pneumonia. But instead, well, I I sort of stayed up for it because I I basically missed the whole first half because I was watching the playoff in the golf, the Phoenix Open, with Winnipeg-born Nick Taylor coming through in the end to win the day. So I just decided, well, I'll, I'll stay up for it. And guess what? It turned out to be the longest Super Bowl in history. A record 74 minutes and 57 seconds of playtime, which was also the seventh longest game in the history of the NFL. Yes, and you
1: throw in the very long halftime show, the extra commercials, and this really is as big a television event as uh, you will ever see in terms of the amount of time that it took up. Kansas City Chiefs ultimately defeated the San Francisco 49ers 25-22 in Vegas. To become the ninth team in NFL history to win back-to-back Super Bowls, MVP Patrick Mahomes uh, three threw a three-yard, sorry, Through a three yards, okay, three-yard uh, touchdown pass to McOll uh, Hardman with three seconds left in overtime, and Mahomes says he couldn't think straight after hitting Hardman for the game-winning touchdown.
2: I can't even explain what, what was going through my mind. I was just extreme joy. Um, didn't even know where to go. Um, but, it, I mean, just it's so exciting, man. I'm so proud of the team, so proud of the guys, and to battle to the very end. I mean, that's, that was the microcosm of our season. I said it, um, and the, everybody came together, and we were able to get
0: the win. Yeah, that, that first half, I didn't, like I said, I missed almost all of it. Just looking at the score, didn't look like it was all that exciting. And even the first part of the second half wasn't all that exciting. It wasn't until the fourth quarter where things really got exciting, and then to have it end in overtime in such thrilling fashion... Pretty cool. Now, Kansas City tight end Travis Kelsey, of course, boyfriend of Taylor Swift, shared his immediate plans for after the game. Couldn't
1: thank the, uh, the, the fans uh, for both the Niner gang and Chiefs kingdom for showing up and every, every NFL fan out there, man. You guys made this so special for me,
0: and um, I'm yes, about to go party my tail off. Already his tail off. Hmm. Now, what happened, Greg? You mentioned that something happened with Travis Kelsey and Coach Andy Reid.
1: Yeah, early in the game. I think it was in the first quarter. In fact, there was a play. uh, Kansas City ended up completing for a long play. Kelsey was open on the play, kind of gave those hands, you know, like, hey, why didn't you throw the ball to me? Mm -hmm. Which was sort of curious when the guy that caught the ball was further downfield than you. So that's fine. These things happen, right? You you feel you're wide open. Throw me the throw me the ball, quarterback. And then on the next play, I guess Kelsey was on the sideline, and ultimately the Chiefs fumbled the ball. Mm-hmm. And so Kelsey reacted in a way that you're not supposed to react in terms of the, he made physical contact with his coach and startled him, like got right up next to him, and it looked like there could have been it could have been a showdown there between Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey it was it was not what you expect from an all-Pro future Hall of Famer he had a little bit of a temper tantrum during the Christmas day game mm-hmm. uh earlier this season but not cool man not
0: cool bro no not cool at all so that's the game as for and we just heard this in Sarah's news and maybe you're just tuning in now time show, Usher. He's had dozens of hit singles, including several number ones. I think eight number one singles. He's had four number one albums. And um, I like Usher. I've always liked Usher. I like his music. I like his dancing. He's 45 years old. He looks like he's 25. He tore his shirt off at one point to reveal that, yeah, he's still in awesome shape. He was sweating up a storm. Um, But I, for me... And it, this isn't a thing on Usher. This is a thing on these, these. whenever, almost any time there's a big pop star and they do these medleys where they play, like, instead of playing three or four songs, they'll play 10 or 12 songs with these little snippets of them. And it's all heavily choreographed. I just, it's, it, it's always the same thing. It's just, meh. What'd you
1: think? You took the word right out of my mouth. <laughs> it was, it was met. Although it, it suited the first half. Like, it was just a little bit of a letdown. And I confess, Usher, Not My Thing. Uh, That song, yeah, great song. I think it was the second most played song of the 2000s. Like, that was a huge, huge hit. And to see Lil Jon, awesome. Ludacris, awesome. Yeah. Justin Bieber was in the building did not perform that was a little bit of a letdown, uh, but other than that, it was it was mostly meh for me, but I know there are lots of people who, who did enjoy it, but for me it was a little flat.
0: yeah it was, it was fine. Uh, when, it, when, it, when it ended, I thought, well, that was fine. whatever. I mean it wasn't awful. it just wasn't no, like it, no, wasn't it didn't blow away. me away that's all uh, And we should also just follow up on something that producer Tyson Ruwiki was telling us about on Friday.) I So, country music star Reba McIntyre ripped through the star-spangled banner before the Super Bowl in about a minute and 40 seconds. And while that's the quickest performance of the U.S. National Anthem at the Super Bowl since Kelly Clarkson did it 12 years ago in a minute 34, Tyson was telling us that you could bet on this. Yeah, he said to
1: smash the over. The uh, over-under was marked at exactly a minute and a half point five seconds. So, you could bet over or under just a straight up 50 50 proposition bet. You bet 20 bucks on it. If you win, you double your money. Well, I texted Tyson immediately once I realized what happened. He, he doubled 20 bucks to 40. On yeah. Because he, he had said that Reba had done the national anthem on a larger stage multiple times. And I think he said for the five times she'd done it, she'd gone over okay so he, over the 90.5 seconds so he was convinced and he was he was absolutely correct I did not check in with him to find out how he did on the rest of his bets last <laughs> night.
0: No. we have Jets tickets to give away for Wednesday. Against the Sharks, Valentine's Day. And it ha- has to do with a couple of things that happened in sport yesterday, of course. The Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes throwing the three-yard touchdown pass to McCole Hardman with three seconds left in overtime to win the Super Bowl and repeat as champions. And then in the golf at the Phoenix Open, the the I think, just sidebar, Yes. the appropriately named waste management because phoenix open because they need to manage all of the wasted people at this thing and they don't necessarily do a terrific job
1: of that based on some of the video i saw over the weekend lots of winnipegers
0: at that tournament yeah. not just nick taylor yeah that's right winnipeg but winnipeg born nick taylor he won the event in a two hole playoff because he's captain clutch he had five birdies and six holes or something like that so that just got us thinking about like have you ever had a clutch moment Were you ever captain clutch whether it was in sports or in a game or just some other random moment where you stepped up and you seized the moment 204-780-6868 for a chance to win those Jets tickets. And by the way, we've got Symphony tickets to give away. We'll do those just after 7.15 for Sultans of String Walking Through Fire, which runs March 2nd and 3rd. But uh, Cam Poitras, time you were Captain Clutch. Well, um,
3: just my wife and I just got back from a trip to Japan. And while we were there, uh, you know, we are both... We, we love we love Disney, Disneyland, all that kind of stuff, both of us. Um, and so we we wanted to get on this specific ride, which is kind of like a game changer in terms of uh, dark rides and and uh, trackless technology. And it's only in Tokyo. It's this only this only this ride is only in Tokyo. Um, and so uh, we had booked our tickets there months in advance. Um, and then it turns out that the ride was out out on maintenance up until that date. So we were going to miss it. So I said, listen, we got to give ourselves another chance. We went a second day. The ride is open for an hour and a half and it goes in on maintenance. And then it shuts down for a majority of the day. Well, I had previously bought tickets to like sort of the, uh, the, 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 the express pass uh, earlier because they don't i mean i'm now I'm getting into some inside dizzy stuff, but like they don't they rope drop there like you wouldn't believe like they show up at five a m and they wait in line for two and a half hours before the the park even opens worse than anywhere like in Florida, people will show up early, but not like that. so the line for this ride went immediately to like two hours, so I bought this express pass it says that's it we're 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 in Tokyo. I'll just spend the thirty bucks. Well, it ends up that when the ride it, the ride was on the fritz for probably eight and a half hours. When it finally, after three weeks of maintenance, so finally, but it ends up that while I'm on my, I'm on a train back there, it becomes available on the only for people who had purchased the express pass previously. So because I got that express pass, one of the last ones of the day, uh, we ended up getting on this ride and then we were able to end our trip on uh, a positive note. So I hope that makes sense.
0: Yeah, buddy. Yes.
3: Yes, you you bought the pass. You got. Was the ride cool? (laughs) It was. It was awesome. Yeah, it was totally awesome. Okay, what's that ride called?
0: What's it called? Yeah, don't worry about what it's called. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: What do you
0: mean? Just look it up for yourself.
4: It's insider information.
0: Probably <laughs> just can't pronounce it. Maybe, I, I don't can know. pronounce it, but okay. listen, just, just right, look it up for yourself. Hey, speaking of Express Pass, that's something that's Boom. a big part that's of...
3: Beauty and the Beast, okay? Ah, there Come on! Enchanted <laughs> <to> Tales <laughs> of Beauty and the Beast. I'm Had leaving now. I'm walking out of here. Cam. Yeah, yeah, it sounds bad.
0: No, it's actually freaking awesome. I loved it. It was great. Speaking of Express Pass, it's a big part of the Amazing Race. And the winners of the Amazing Race Canada Season 8 are in studio with us at 8.35 because they're performing in Romeo and Juliet with the RWB this week. So that's at 8.35. It has this
3: crazy, crazy transformation with, with, like, with Beast. That's like, okay. your <laughs> mind. Trying. All right, you're done. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't. Okay,
0: let's move to Sarah McCarthy.
4: Yeah, so mine's pretty simple. And I didn't even mean to be, like, coming in clutch it just happened by coincidence um just one day this past summer me i was back at home and uh me and my family we were going out to our cabin but my uh aunt and uncle and, like, the cousins were going out first, and um, we, end, and to make a long story short, we end up getting there, like, an hour later, but they're all just standing outside of the cabin. They forgot the key, couldn't get in, and each of our sides of the family have keys, and, like, we never bring a key, because they're always there first, guaranteed. So, like, we're like, we don't need to bring a key, but yeah. this just one time, we happen to be like, oh, we should bring the key, so... We let them in, and everyone had fun after that. There
1: you go. Came up clutch. (laughs) The key.
4: Unintentionally.
3: (laughs) Forte, what about you? Oh, I thought you were going to steal mine for a second. Back when I was in high school, uh, me and uh, a group of buddies were at a friend's place, but he locked his keys inside of his house, Mm. so we had to figure out, like, how are we going to get in? So we're searching all the windows, and we found a loose basement window. Well, I'm the smallest one, so I was the only one who could (laughs) fit in this little basement window. But there's also another obstacle, the alarm system, which I was not able to (laughs) deactivate. I was able to get into the basement, run up the stairs, and I couldn't remember the password. So I quickly unlocked the door. My buddy runs in. He's trying to get to the alarm panel, but didn't make it in time. So the alarm went off.
0: But hey, you know what? At least I got us in the house. Did anybody show up to investigate the alarm?
3: No,
2: they, they phoned first, so he had oh, to call okay. for when they phoned.
0: But all right, well, way still, to go. When that,
3: that alarm goes off,
0: man. You're you're freaking out. <laughs> I know, pretty, pretty loud. loud. And Mackling, what about you? You got a k- captain clutch moment?
1: Uh trying to. Okay, I guess it would have been uh, grade nine basketball. We are playing River Heights at Isaac Brock. We're in, the, uh, we're in our gym, home court. We'd won one game all season. We'd beaten Earl Grey. And I think we'd only scored 30 points more than, than once all season long. There's zeros on the clock, essentially. I get fouled. I get two foul shots. We have 28 points. I sink the first shot, first free throw. And I had exactly one fight in junior high school, and it was with Jamie Johnson. And we're standing on the line. And he goes, Mackling, if you don't sink this shot, I'm going to beat you up again. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we my uh, We sank the shot. I yeah. sank the shot. And uh, we lost the game, but we got 30 points, and I saved my own bacon.
0: You didn't get beat up again. No. There you go. So at 204, 780 6868. We want you to tell us about a time that you came through in the clutch, whether it was in sports, perhaps a game, or just something else in your regular, like Forte squeezing through the basement window to get everyone inside the house. It is Mackling and McGarry hoping to get an update from Global's Clay Young in just a moment on the suspicious deaths that are being investigated by RCMP. Just a quick heads up that we have our Monday Jets report with Kelly Moore coming up at 7.55. But right now, and I do see we have him on the line, so let's just get started here because Manitoba RCMP continue to investigate a series of incidents that left five people dead, including three children. Yeah, this is
1: uh, disturbing uh, beyond words stuff here, Brett. Police say the deaths occurred at three separate scenes in the Pembina Valley area. Global's Clay Young is covering for this this morning and, and joins us live outside RCMP headquarters in Winnipeg. Hi, Clay.
5: Hey, uh, how you how you guys doing
1: there? Well, we're hanging we're hanging in there. How are you doing there? And and what can you tell us? What what have you learned?
5: Um, well, you know, we're still uh, trying to glean as much information as we can. As a matter of fact, our CMP Sergeant Paul Monague, uh I just chatted with him as he was entering the building, and uh, I I asked him. I said, you know, is there anything you can add to us? He said, let me. Let me go in and and check on some things, and I'll I'll come right back out to you. Uh, But, you know, police are trying to piece together exactly what happened and why it happened. And this all happened about 7.30 uh, local time yesterday. Uh, Police got a call that there had been a hit and run on the highway outside of Carmen, So some officers were dispatched. When they got there, they found the body of a woman in a ditch. All right, so they're investigating that. Then about two and a half hours later, RCMP get another call. This is about a burning vehicle about 70 kilometers to the north. Officers are dispatched to that scene. As they're arriving, a passerby uh, somehow pulls three children out of this burning vehicle. We're going to have to get more details about that. But pulls three children out of this burning vehicle, tragically, all three were pronounced dead at the scene. Also, at that scene, uh, in that area, uh, was a 29-year-old man. But here's our RCMP uh, Inspector Paul Arthenault.
2: As officers were going to the scene, a witness was able to pull three young children from a burning vehicle. Tragically, all three children were declared deceased at the scene. It is at this scene that a 29-year-old male was taken into custody.
5: So now you've got two incidents that police are now investigating. You've got four deaths. And then they are called to a third incident, and this one was inside the town of Carmen. They entered a home, and there they found the body of another woman. Police believe there is a connection between the man who is in custody and the five dead, although no formal charges have been laid. And uh, here at police headquarters, uh, the RCMP to de- de- detachment, uh, we are expecting another news conference later today, possibly this afternoon.
1: Clay, it's not often, you know, language often will give us a hint as to what's to come yesterday afternoon, when I'm sure you saw the same media release, the same news release as I did prior to RCMP speaking to the public via the media. And when they start getting you prepared and getting the media prepared to prepare the public for quote-unquote gruesome details, you know it's bad.
5: Yeah. You know, I saw the same thing you saw. You know, I had to do a a double take. I had to look at it again look at it a little more carefully. It's, you know, it's not every day the RCMP hold a news conference on a Sunday afternoon here in Winnipeg, and then I I did see five suspicious deaths, and I thought, oh my goodness, Uh, what is this about now? And then, you know, we're hearing about, and it's always even worse when, when children are involved, because they're usually the innocent victims in all of these things.
0: Global's Clay Young joining us live on 680 CJOB. Clay, thank you very much for this. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. And Clay, will be hoping to get more details from the RCMP's Paul Maneg, and we did hear from RCMP Inspector Tim Arsenault uh, during that segment with Clay and we're we're getting you if know, you can feel free to weigh in at 204-780-6868 we have heard from some people with ties to the Carmen region um saying the horrific news from my hometown of Carmen is crushing my heart that from Deb uh, hearing from others who're saying they had a sleepless night because of this news and indeed it it it's always part of what we do is we tell you Good things, and we tell you bad things that happen in our community and around the world. And you know, relaying the news of any death is never—it's always tragic. But when you hear there are children involved, as Clay pointed out, it—it just hurts a bit more,
1: yeah. To say the least. Yeah, you nailed it, uh, Brett. And I think uh, between the two of us, we uh, have—we've covered some tragic tragic, heartbreaking, uh, almost unimaginable stories over the last almost eight years that you and I have been working on air together. And just when you start thinking uh, about some of those stories over the years, it's um, it's a little soul-sucking. It's, uh, it's difficult to put things into words, although that's our job, is to try and put these things into words. But quite often, the, the correct words don't exist to frame these things and to try and create any sort of perspective connected to them. So, if we are short on words in regard to the story this morning, I, I hope you will forgive us for that. We are working and waiting patiently, as many of you are, to just to learn exactly what might have been at the heart of this circumstance, uh, why. This all happened, and that's why Clay is at RCMP headquarters right now, available essentially at a moment's notice if, if RCMP uh, becomes suddenly available and willing to, to share more details with us. And uh, we, we, we appreciate you being with us this morning. It's a difficult morning for lots here in, uh, in our province.
0: It is Mackling And McGarry, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start as we navigate one of the more difficult stories that has occurred in our province, Greg, in quite some time.
1: Yeah, and uh, right at the heart of this, the community of Carmen, uh, just south and west of Winnipeg and joining us. For a few moments this morning is the mayor of Carmen, Brent Owen. Mayor Owen, uh, our heartfelt condolences and uh, just a, a great big hug for those in your part of the province this morning. Uh, when did you find out what was going on in, uh, in your community in and around Carmen?
2: Uh, just before lunch yesterday, I received a, a text from somebody saying that there was a deceased person found south of Carmen and it kind of snowballed from there. I learned quite a bit more after the RCMP press release in the afternoon.
0: And when, when the, the news was shared that three children were involved, were pulled from a, a burning vehicle, I'm just wondering, have you had an opportunity to speak with the responders who first arrived at these scenes, and how are they doing?
2: Um. Apparently that was in the arm of car chase, so I haven't had a chance to reach out to them as of yet. It was a, a distance from Carmen.
1: I can only imagine some of the messages that have been sent your way, Mister Mayor. Uh, just can you try and put into words what's going on in in Carmen this morning? I'm I'm sure things are are not very usual there today.
2: It's pretty quiet. It's you know it's it's tragic. We don't expect anything like that to happen in our community. It's just horrific.
0: And is there any indication as to when we we might be able to learn more about the victims involved in this incident? I'm not, I
2: imagine there simply will have another release today. I'm kind of waiting on that,
1: Meryl. And you know, we reached out to you this morning, and and I said to you in a text, your your voice is critical in this and and on this story. Just share with us what what the community, what the town, what administration, employees might be able to do uh, for those that might be most directly impacted by these circumstances?
2: Well, my heart goes out to all the, the relatives, the family, the neighbours, et cetera. You know, if these children were in the school system, then there has to be some counselling brought forward for, for everybody. You know, like saying first responders, you know, what they do is, It's great, and it's got to be just terrible to try and piece this together.
0: Mr. Mayor, can you maybe just talk about how how close, give us an idea of how closely knit the community of Carmen is? Because I I haven't spent a lot of time in Carmen, but whenever I I do get to spend time in Carmen, I I am sort of blown away by the the sense of of communal pride that is, like you can really, it's palpable. You can feel it and see it. Uh, is, Is my observation correct? on that
2: yes i would agree with you 100 uh, percent. we all come together as a community to to do things for each other to make our community better you know i can probably honestly say that i know 75 percent of the residents that live here you know i've lived here my whole life there's a certain amount of pride
1: well big chunk of canada i'm gonna you know i know we are all feeling for you here this morning and just trying to connect and, and not only convey our, our thoughts with you, but if there's if there's anything that we can do, any information that needs to be shared, uh, please count on us to do that, uh, Mr. Mayor. And uh, we really appreciate you taking a few moments today on a, not only uh, what's sure to be a busy day, but obviously uh, perhaps one of the most, uh, if not the most difficult day in in Carmen's history.
2: Thanks for your support. I really appreciate it. All right, Mr.
0: Mayor of Prento and joining us live on 680 CJOB, the mayor of Carmen. And you can feel free to continue to weigh in at 204-780-6868 concerning this incident involving three separate incidents involving five suspe- suspicious deaths. The details are difficult to say the least. Uh, around 730 a.m. yesterday, Carmen, RCMP CMP, responded to a reported hit and run where the found a woman in a ditch who was pronounced dead at the scene around 10 a.m. Headingley RCMP were called to a vehicle on fire in the RM of Carte, where a witness pulled three young children from the burning vehicle. All three unfortunately died, tragically died at the scene. And then uh, someone else, uh, another woman was found dead in a home in Carmen. So when we learn more from RCMP, of course, we'll share these with you and listener Scott weighing in as well, Greg.
1: I'd like to thank the person that stopped the vehicle fire, risking their own life, pulling out the children and trying to save their lives. Their effort saved additional indignities to them and will assist with the investigation into their deaths. My appreciation and condolences to all. So, you know, in these tragedies, there are so many things, so many individuals, so many groups of people that we're, we're thankful for. They, they may be individuals that, that, that do... Things that we take for granted, you know, in the, in the aftermath of the Carberry crash, so many discussions about the mental wellness of first responders many first responders in communities, the size of Carberry in communities assigned the size of, of Eli or St. Estash or Carmen are going to be volunteers, Brett. Yeah. They've gone through some training, uh, but their lives are forever changed uh, by being uh, and, uh, and appearing and 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 running to a scene like this, and so our inter- eternal gratitude for those that that choose to to do this in 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 service of of their communities.
0: It is Mackling and McGarry. Very excited about our next segment. We've, we've got two pairs of tickets actually to give away for what we're about to discuss. And i uh, got to be honest with you, Greg, I'm not even quite sure how to introduce our next guest because there are so many ways to do it. One's from Winnipeg, the other has deep ties to Winnipeg. They are international performers of the stage. They are champion globetrotters, having won season eight of the Amazing Race Canada in 2022. And this week they are performing once again in Romeo and Juliet with the Royal Winnipeg Ballet.
1: Well, uh, I love being surrounded by champions. Right. <laughs> Winnipeg Blue Bombers are my favorite team. And the last four years have been pretty good to, to be around them. And uh, this has got a similar feeling, I must confess. Catherine Reeford and Craig Ramsey uh, joining us in studio. And uh, Craig, nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you. Re- relieved to learn that you are not the Craig Ramsey that I had uh, friendly rivalry with back in my high school days. Uh, Catherine, great to see you as always. Thank you. You've been around <laughs> the city so much the last you know couple of years, and 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 celebrating and lending your voice and and your face to uh, worthy causes. So thank you for doing that. But what's it feel like to be performing once again with the RWB?
4: Well. Last time we were here in 2019, we did this performance and it sort of led us on a really crazy, amazing journey. Um, it sort of rewired my brain that we were able to apply for The Amazing Race. And, and then being asked back again feels so special and it feels so amazing to be doing it with my bestie. <laughs>
0: And yeah. Craig, the, the, so the, had you not done that performance of Romeo and Juliet in 2019, there would have been no Amazing Race?
6: No, there wouldn't have been. Uh, for those that don't know, Catherine has terminal brain cancer, and she's well past uh, her expiration date, as she says.
4: Yeah, I like to say that. <laughs> yeah. I'm,
6: that, I'm, not, I'm not being the uh, jerk here, saying these things uh, without Catherine's permission, by uh, by all means. But uh, Catherine is a medical miracle. And when we tackled uh, being guest artists for as Lord and Lady Capulet. And I say that because people jump to the conclusion that we're Romeo and <laughs> no. Juliet. I'm, we're too long in the tooth for that. <laughs> Definitely, we're Lord and Lady Capulet, we're which are still demanding artistic roles. Uh, and they honored, they invited us back because they honored the ballet training we got twenty years ago mm-hmm. uh, at the school. And while we were doing the 2019 uh, production, Catherine did the impossible. There are so many obstacles that she has to overcome with her terminal illness. And that's what made and motivated us to do something else that would keep her brain activated and progressing forward. So then we're like, what can be the toughest thing ever? (laughs) The Amazing Race Canada. Let's put Catherine in the most difficult situations. And this brave woman not only tackled doing the race, but she uh, thrived and won. Yep.
4: And
1: so, th- so did you. <laughs> I did. Yeah. I got a truck as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, there are sidekicks, right? You know, Rocky and Bullwinkle and, and you could go on and on in the cartoon world. Is Craig your sidekick or, or, uh, oh, or the other way might, around? Um,
4: I don't know. I'm, come
1: on. Don't fool yourself. I'm You're your
4: sidekick. sidekick. <laughs> of course, everyone
6: would say that. I compliment things that Catherine does because uh, she's just the most spectacular, passionate woman.
4: But so, Craig is also amazing because he puts me up there and he's like, you show off yourself and I will be here to catch you. And if I fall or if, if anything happens, he's got my back. And so, we're not
6: a married couple people. No, we're, we're not. not. <laughs> we're best friends. Anyone that watched the race, they already know our dynamic. Yeah. And we never fought once on the race. No, that's and incredible. It was John. I don't think we've
4: ever fought, ever.
6: <laughs> no. And John, the host said, he goes, I, I knew right away that you were going to make it to the finale. He goes, I didn't think you were going to win, but I thought you'd make it to the finale because your friendship is so strong. So to be on stage playing Lord and Lady Capulet. And for those of you that are familiar with the ballet, we don't get along. I know. On stage. (laughs) On
4: stage, we don't.
6: (laughs) Which is a far stretch from reality, but we have fun doing
4: it. It's really fun to be angry with him on stage.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So you're really acting, which is great. It's fun to go down that road. But in terms of having someone, not only as a dance partner, but then also, you know, in the Amazing Race, how critical is it, if we want to get kind of mushy here, to have someone that can physically hold you up? But also holds you up emotionally and otherwise.
4: I always say everybody needs a Craig in their life. Um, you know, like it's it's so important to have somebody that you trust that you can just tell everything to. He knows more about me than anybody else, so including anybody else. (laughs) Yeah. And we're good
6: friends because Catherine is so vulnerable in sharing the obstacles that she has. Like when we did the, uh, and Juliet in 2019, and even this time, don't let, let's not fool ourselves. Catherine has a lot to overcome to be able to do our performances opening night on Thursday all through the weekend. And because she is vulnerable and says, I need help, which a lot of people out there are scared to do. Then I'm able to step in because I know what she wants because she communicates that. (laughs)
4: By by telepathic. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. Well, we also like, experienced like that. that. Yeah. There's a
6: lot on the race that people did not yeah. see or, or hear about uh, that. Uh, I think we're doing Q&As before the show. Oh, okay. So yeah, get your tickets. You'll that. get an opportunity to ask us amazing race questions prior to the shows as well. Come early.
0: Well, and you had a rather unique experience as well on the race because the two of you were, and you, you weren't the only team of memory serves, but you were sidelined during the race uh, by COVID.
4: Yep. It's the only time I've ever had it. You know, we, um, well, three teams had it and, um, you know, we were so lucky enough to be brought back in. So we uh, we didn't know that we were coming back in, but we did. And
6: nothing was handed to us. Yeah. I mean, it was offered to be handed to us, which was really sweet by the other uh, couple, the other teams in yeah. there. But ultimately, we we did the impossible, uh, one step at a time. And yeah, COVID was devastating yeah. uh, for for us because we thought that we'd be off the race, uh, and then we had to climb our way back um, on top. <laughs> yep. Yep.
4: That took. That was a, that was hard too.
6: Mm. Hmm. But we learned a lot from doing the ballet, uh, and th- people do not realize how. Special and talented ballet dancers are.
4: They told us that they would never have uh, ballet dancers on the race again ever. Because, <laughs> Why? Because they, we like we know how to work hard and just even if you're hurt. You but know? we go
6: into a room and you yeah. memorize uh, things so easy. Like you have to think a, a dancer knows not only counting and they're able to count the whole show in eights and sixes and such, but they're also able to space out things. So when we go into a room, like we know how many panels are in this room. We know how many lights. We know the exits. We know how many windows windows, there's so much that a dancers has to do to multitask. And that's why I, I honor these dancers and to be back in the studio and be back on stage with the prestigious Royal Winnipeg Ballet world renowned ballet company in here in Winnipeg. If you don't have your tickets, you're doing a disservice to yourself and also to the community.
1: Fine, yeah. Craig, I'll, I'll whip out the credit card <laughs> right now. Yeah, or or, or you get you your try tickets. and win the tickets. <laughs> you beat yeah. me into submission here. I'm, I'm ineligible for the tickets, but yeah. uh, okay, I'll have to it's purchase really, some... If
4: you don't see it, it's going to be, it's a, it's a shame if you don't see it.
1: Okay. All right. So that's established. What, <laughs> You know, I've <laughs> always, I've always Otherwise, look at these muscles. <laughs> right, Nobody okay. Can see okay, that. okay so let me go you. there. Cause that's where I wanted to go next. Um, on my muscles. Yes. Because let's do I it. Think, <laughs> I think I'm not sure who the best athletes on the planet are, but I think it might be between professional tennis players and ballet dancers. Oh really? Yes. Why, why tennis players in the heat, four hour yeah. matches mm-hmm. back and forth. True. Now, obviously they get some time. In between points to catch their breath, but their durability, their athleticism, et cetera. Good point. But when it comes to ballet down Lynn Swan growing up was Mm -hmm. my fit. If you're old enough, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers receiver Lynn Swan, very graceful, could leap. You know, I think he had a 45 inch vertical jump. Took ballet? Took ballet. There you go. And so, talk about how good of an athlete ballet dancers really are. Do you want to go first?
4: Oh, I mean, when I watch, like, I'm. I'm not in that great shape as well as the dancers are right now because I'm 43. But your role doesn't
6: demand it either. My
4: role doesn't demand it. But um, when I watch like person that plays Juliet and the people that play all these jumpy, beautiful, leaping characters, I'm just amazed at how they can just keep going and then and then have like this acting scene where they have to die. You know, it's just amazing. It's amazing to me what they can accomplish while not losing their breath and while not like passing out because they're breathing too hard.
6: (laughs) Yeah, it it is a strength beyond anything I've ever experienced. And I've been in the in the sports world. I was a stretch coach for the Maple Leafs and and I handle a lot of sports players. Uh, And that's from my background, obviously, with dance. Uh, But not only are they strong um, for on their own, as Catherine said, with your, you know, your split leaps and such, but lifting. All the time oh, too, right. yeah. and when we did Broadway stage, uh, we were known as spectacular triple threats, which is actor, singer, dancer. But it was our dance that carried us forward. It's a rake stage, so there's a huge difference between the front of the stage and the back of the stage. Yeah, not everybody might know what that is. It's got it's got a gentle slope to it, correct? Mm, sometimes, N- sometimes not, not gentle, gentle. <laughs> severe. So you have to turn and, and pivot your body back and forth, and you also have to lift on that angle. So y- y- dancers, I love
4: being lifted. <laughs>
6: dancers know how to handle um, their body and in correct alignment and such to handle anything. So there's a lot of strength building and you know I've been nicknamed with this production uh, early on as the ballet bodybuilder. Body
0: and I, I own it. <laughs> like come on, bring it on. let's let's bring muscle to the ballet. Well, and before we let you go, uh, and I would also concur, uh, the first time I went to, that I had uh, got to sit close up at the ballet, I couldn't believe the physicality on display from all of the dancers, just absolutely remarkable. But before we let you go, Catherine, you know, you, you, the two of you met, what, 17 years ago? 27. 27. Okay. So did you ever imagine that, you know, all these years later, that your careers and your lives would continue to be so intertwined?
4: Yep. I did. Yeah? Yep. I absolutely did.
6: Craig, Yes. Um, I didn't foresee being invited back as guest artist to the RWP.
4: No, I never expected that. But,
6: but our... the fact that our artistry, I, and we're told that we really inspire the other dancers uh, to to just go there. Go to that really, like, dirty place, if you will, with your acting, where it's just um, you surrender to it. And this production has all of that. And you, you just simply must go see it. See the cancer dancer in the Royal Winnipeg <laughs> Ballet. <laughs>
2: Well,
1: I have to share this text message before we run. Speaking of inspiration, our listener Audrey says Every time I hear Catherine, it gives me hope for my niece and best friend. She's almost five years in battling non smokers, stage four lung cancer. Stay strong, both of you. That's from from Audrey this morning. Thank you, Audrey.
6: Bless
4: you.
0: So we're asking you this morning, inspired by a couple of clutch moments that happened in sports over the weekend. Of course, the Super Bowl, Kansas City coming through huge at the end of overtime to win from come from behind and win. And Nick Taylor, Winnipeg born Nick Taylor winning and also in a come from behind playoff victory at the Waste Management Phoenix Open in golf. And we'll talk about those things, of course, with Bob Irving in our next half hour when we talk sports. But we're asking you about a moment you were Captain Clutch, whether it was sports or not. Maybe just some other moment where you're able to step up and seize the day. Like our runner-up here for the Jets tickets that we have to give away is Rick, Mr. Greg. Way back in 2000, our local
1: business community ran a promotion to increase business. Participating businesses would give you a numbered paper if you spent a certain amount of money. Then you had to fold it into an airplane and try and land it in a dry kiddie pool at the mall in Center Court. Or the mall center court. If you succeeded, you would participate in the finals later that day. Well, I made it to the finals along with about 14 other participants. At the second event, we were to throw this paper airplane through the opening of a tire from about 10 feet away. I was the only one to successfully throw my plane through the tire. My seven and nine-year-old boys were screaming their full head off because of Clutch Dad supposedly had just won a trip to Florida for the family. In actuality, it was a $2,000 travel voucher. However, Dad spent another 5K to make the trip happen. Be careful when you want to be the hero. It can be costly. <laughs> well, it's like if you get a hole-in-one, right? Yeah. You have to pay. You got to pay
0: around. That's just... You don't like that. Don't I get know. me started. That, that's the dumbest... That's a, here's the deal. If you... The, the, the rule... It's not in the rule book, I think, but it's just tradition. If you get a hole-in-one, you're supposed to buy everyone in the clubhouse a drink. Are you kidding? So I, I, my, my reward for doing something that's incredibly rare is to be robbed blind? Get out of here. But uh, our winner is Gerhard, who says back in February of 2020, our family went to Disney World for a week. We stayed at one of the resorts, so we had the park hopper available. Early in the week, we had gone through the Hollywood Studios area, and the crowds around the Millennium Falcon were insane, as was the line for the Smuggler's Run ride where you're actually in the Falcon We didn't have a fast pass for that one, so we left, thinking maybe later. Our last day at Disney, we bounced around park to park, and we were worn out and ready to call it a night, but we had not been back to Hollywood Studios. Mom was done, but I believed we had time to hop on the tram and try to see if we could get onto that ride, as our son Hudson, 11 years old at the time, was quite disappointed we hadn't been back. Lo and behold, we get there about an hour before the park closes on a Friday night, and there's nobody around. Not only did we get a pick of Hudson standing alone by the Falcon, there was only a small lineup. We got on. Hudson got to pilot the Millennium Falcon. What a way to wrap up the week. And we left the park right at closing time, and our boy was grinning ear to ear. Lots of heroes in that story. Oh, man, Gerhard. I got the biggest dumb smile on my face right now. Way to go and take care of your boy like that and give him the memory of a lifetime. Congratulations. You win the tickets the Winnipeg Jets this Wednesday against San Jose. Right now, Greg, I think it's easy enough to say the legend is back. Bob Irving returns to
1: these airwaves after I don't know if it was an extended absence. I know you've been popping on with Hal uh, early in 2024, Bob, but it's been a while since we've had the pleasure. How are you, my friend?
7: It has been a while, uh, Greg, and I'm just fine happy to join you guys to talk about the world of sport, which is still a big part of my life, and I keep a close tab on everything. Yesterday, I was watching football and golf simultaneously, uh, which is kind of challenging because the golf was really compelling when Nick Taylor had a chance to win, and he did win the Phoenix Open.
0: Yeah, that's right. I actually I barely saw any of the first half of the football game because I was glued to that Phoenix Open and the playoff, but before we... You know what? Before we talk about Nick Taylor, um, Winnipeg-born Nick Taylor, as we've been uh, touting this morning, I know he's from Abbotsford, but who cares? But uh, we want to ask you about the the waste management Phoenix Open as a whole, or as it's known, the Wasted Phoenix Open. And this week, look, it's a fun tournament. People get drunk and they throw beers on the 16th green when big things happen. But like this weekend was out of control. They shut down alcohol sales on Saturday because people were just being lunatics. So I'm curious to know what are your thoughts on the evolution of this event?
7: Well, unfortunately, it did get out of hand, Brett, and that's too bad because it's, for those of us watching on TV, it's just a lot of fun, right? It looks like everybody's having a great time, and you see things there that you don't normally see in a golf tournament, which is people cheering and making noise while the players are teeing off, heaven's sakes. That never happens at a PGA Tour event anywhere else. So I've always enjoyed watching it, and I'm sure the atmosphere for the people there is is great, too. But when it gets over the top to the point where the drinking and the behavior is so bad that they have to... You know, take some measures to curtail it. That's that's unfortunate. Hopefully, they can bring it under control and, and keep the same atmosphere in coming years that they've had. Waste management sets up those bleachers around that 16th hole, and they have bleachers elsewhere on the course. And they have 200,000 people a day that show up on the weekend for that tournament, which again is kind of mind-boggling. So you, you like everything about it, except what happened this past weekend, where it just got to the point where you know it's the old story you know drink responsibly right and that just went out the window so i don't know what they do down the road to make it more palatable in that regard but uh, i hope they you know can keep having the big crowds and the sort of the fun atmosphere i've heard from a lot of the players too i read stories about them. they love it they just love what goes on there the most of them do anyway there's probably one or two who don't but uh I hope they can keep it going without the mayhem
1: that occurred this weekend. Maybe less beer, more pimento and cheese sandwiches.
7: Yeah, that would do it. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. I don't know you'd talk some of those guys into that, but that would do it.
1: (laughs) So Super Bowl, of course, uh, the event... Uh, The first half wasn't the most exciting uh, first half of football I've ever seen in my life. And we don't need to talk about the halftime show. I know you really enjoyed it, uh, Bob. I was following you on X yesterday. You had hot takes on a bunch of stuff. But Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey, this sort of, uh, shall we say, unintentional meeting on the sidelines. I don't know if Travis Kelsey intended to get in the face of Andy Reid, but it sure didn't look good. What was your take on it?
7: Well, I tweeted, uh, Greg, it was a bad look for Kelsey. They were struggling. The Kansas City Chiefs were struggling on offense in the first half. And at one point when they came off the field, Kelsey, who was a very emotional player, and when he was a younger player, he was a bit of a lunatic. And, he, you know, they really had to rein him in. And he's matured now at age 34, but he was kind of losing it. And he went over to Andy Reid, the head coach, and actually bumped into him and was screaming into his face and it was just uh you shook your head and go holy smokes i can't believe i'm seeing this now players get emotional during a game especially a championship game and stuff that happens on the sidelines we don't know the half of it i've heard stories about things that happen on the sidelines during a football game that you'd shake your head over so uh, i i guess i take it with a bit of a grain of salt but i think it was a bad look for kelsey I don't know if Reed was asked about it after the game. I haven't heard any of the comments about that. I'm sure he would downplay it and say, "No, it's the heat of the moment. We're not worried about it. We just won the Super Bowl again." But I didn't like it. It just—it just didn't look good when a player of that stature, who's a leader and Andy Reid, their coach, is admired by all the players throughout the league and the coaches throughout the league, when he bumps into him, actually bumped into him, and then started screaming at him, it just didn't look good. It, to me, Kelsey came out looking rather poor in that one.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Reed was saying something like he appreciates Kelsey's enthusiasm, yeah, sure. even when he was mowed over by him in the sideline. But uh, on the subject of the the game itself, you know, first half was kind of lame, but then the second half eventually became exciting, and then the overtime uh, ended in thrilling fashion. So does that overtime? And what is was the longest Super Bowl ever? Does it make it an instant classic?
7: I don't know about an instant classic, Brett. For sure, the first half was really sloppy. There were lots of poor plays, fumbles, mishandling the ball, penalties. Uh, It was very erratic, and you know, just not a very interesting first half. But the second half erased all that, and the fourth quarter and the overtime, in particular, any championship game that is close is compelling, regardless of how well it's being played. And this one became more and more compelling as it went along. I don't think it becomes a classic, but overtime, when you have overtime in a championship game, there's a punctuation mark there. It's something about it that you won't forget, as you might soon forget about other games. And, you know, the real story there, too, in the overtime was Patrick Mahomes, the great young quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs, marching the team downfield and scoring the winning touchdown, really taking putting the team on his back and taking him downfield. He just reinforced his status as the certainly the best player in the game. There's no question about that. I uh, did a tweet after the game that he's taken another step down the GOAT trail. And everybody refers to Tom Brady as the GOAT, the greatest of all time, because he won seven Super Bowls. So all others will be measured by that. But Mahomes now has three. Uh, I don't know that he'd ever get to seven. He's only 28 years old, and uh, he was he was remarkable in the in the toughest periods of the game when the pressure was the you know the highest. He was superb, and that's been his story. He's just that's why before the Super Bowl, a lot of people favored San Francisco. My sort of bottom line was yeah, I kind of agree with that but don't bet against Patrick Mahomes. And he showed us again last night why we all believe that.
1: Yeah, I think that's uh, perfectly said, Bob, because uh, I had a, I had the inkling that San Fran was the team to beat, but at the same time, you just, man, this is a team that, uh, against quite, you know, not all odds, but certainly uh, the odds were against them at different times this season, Kansas City, and they, they really answered the bell. Uh, speaking of the bell, 11 a.m. tomorrow, Central time, free agency in the Canadian Football League opens. And we know that there are agreements in principle with dozens of players across the league to switch outfits and to to move on from their current teams, including Jamarcus Hardrick. Uh, we believe we'll sign with Saskatchewan Rough Riders tomorrow. Jackson Jeffcoat. I think you and I can agree, one of the classiest Blue Bombers in a long time, uh, not because others aren't. It's just, in, in my mind, Jackson was uh, a cut above in, in terms of his uh, personality, his willingness to interact with you. And he's not coming back. He's not going anywhere. He He's retiring and, and apparently a little bit uh, bothered by the lack of communication from the Blue Bombers.
7: Yeah, he says he's retiring, and I take him at his word. Jackson's thirty-three years old. He's been plagued by injuries throughout his career. I don't think, well, I know he hasn't played a full season ever in the six years he's been with the Bombers. He misses five, six, seven games every year. But when he's on the field, he's just a total force. He and Willie Jefferson are the the best duo of defensive ends in the league, and have been, in my opinion, for a number of years. Jackson, at the end of last season, said. He was pondering retirement. He wasn't sure what he was going to do. And, you know, I think he's a little bit upset that during the course of the off season now, the Bombers have not maybe been in contact with him as much as he would like in terms of trying to woo him back or offer him a contract or whatever. We all know the Bombers have been trying so hard to re-sign Dalton Schoen and Brady Oliveira, and they've spent time re-signing other players, too. But Jackson was not, I don't think, at the top of their list. Look, the reality is he's 33 years old, and I know there's a lot of players in the Bombers, not a lot, but quite a few who are also that age, but are still playing at a high level and play all 18 games, right? Uh, So the, the thing the Bombers were wrestling with was do we pay Jackson the salary we pay him, which is pretty high, And understand that he's going to miss five or six games because he does every year. Can can we do that again, or do we need to move? Do we need to move on and find some young guy who can play every game? And and I think that's the decision largely that they made. I was I haven't been privy to the conversations between the bombers and Jackson's reps. If he's if his pride is wounded, I'm not surprised. This happens to players, right? The same with Andrew. Remember the Andrew Harris situation when. The Bombers felt they had to move on from Andrew because they had a guy named Brady Oliveira ready to play, and Andrew wasn't happy with the way he was treated. He thought they should have shown him more respect and all the rest of it. And I get that, but, you know, pro sports is a tough business, and difficult decisions have to be made. And, uh, again, I don't know exactly what the Bombers said to Jeff Coder, what they offered him, but I do know that they were prepared to move on from him, uh, and it looks like that's what's going to happen. But he was a great player and is equally great a person off the field.
0: Bob Irving, we'll have to leave it there, but we thank you very much for your time. Nice to hear your voice again, sir. Yeah, glad to be on with you guys. Thanks. Bob Irving, joining us live on CJOB to talk sports. Just they run out of time to talk some hockey, but there will be more hockey conversation on Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth.